Hey fellow brain pickers and welcome to episode 100 of Can I Pick Your Brain? Now this episode is very special to me for two reasons. Number one, it's episode 100! And number two is I actually go back to my life and I share some of the things that I've never shared before in this episode. Um, This interview was actually done on another podcast show called Here to Thrive, where I had my brain picked by Amy Kate Snowwise. And I have to say that I've been on about 40 podcast shows, and I can easily say that this was my favorite one. And the reason why was because I touched on some of the nearest and dearest parts of my life. Um, it's, it's, oh man, I don't want to give it all away, but I will say that some of the things that I talk about is what I learned from my younger self, how I tricked my wife into marrying me, why I believe you're extremely selfish if you don't produce, and a whole bunch of other crazy stuff which I think you're going to love. Um, so without further ado, here we go. Let's get into the show. Woohoo! Let's do it! Episode 100 of Can I Pick Your Brain? Are you ready? Welcome to the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast, where successful entrepreneurs get their brains picked so you can apply mindset tricks and game changing tactics that will help you become unstoppable. Now, here's your host, Daniel Geffen. Daniel, thank you so much for being on Here to Thrive with us today. I'm really looking forward to talking through your story. Kate, it's such an honor to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Now, when I was listening to your podcast, I found your personal story fascinating. I want to start with getting to know you a little bit better and paint the picture of what kind of person you are. Being a parent, I literally laughed out loud when you were sharing the story of being a four-year-old, I think you were, and the chocolate. Can we start there? Can you tell us that story? Oh, God, here we go. (laughs) Uh, So my parents, when I was about four years old, they took me to the forest in England, middle of nowhere, and I suddenly had the desire to eat some chocolate. So I turned around to my mother and I said, I want chocolate. And she turns around and says, oh, I'm really sorry, dear, but, you know, we didn't bring chocolate. I, I have some pretzels and I have some other snacks, but we, don't, we didn't bring any chocolate. And I said, but I want chocolate. And she said, yeah, but we're in the middle of a forest. We're in the middle of nowhere and there's no chocolate. And I said, but I want chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> and she goes, I know. but and, and then I went into this little song that I created on the spot and it went like this. I want chocolate. 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 I want. And I went on and on and on and on for about an hour straight until my mother was literally going to pull her hair out and just have a complete nervous breakdown. And she just like grabs me by the hand. She's like, all right, all right, all right. Just stop singing that song. We'll, we'll get you chocolate. We'll find chocolate. Just let's go. And my father like is taking pictures of like the scenery and she's like, come on, we got to go. We got to go. He needs to get his chocolate and get into the car and we drive around and we try to find you know a place that finally we got some chocolate and there I am standing with a big grin on my face while I open up my chocolate bar and uh, realize that uh, yeah I, I I got what I wanted so that was a little brat inside of me but perhaps um, your first lesson in tenacity that you just have to stick it out huge 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 one of the biggest if anybody asks me like what is the number one like your component to your success and anything that you've done it is that i don't give up i just keep going i just keep going you know when i dated my wife it was this is really funny she's from california she's beautiful and i like literally love at first sight with her not not her with me and uh <laughs> I, I love it literally had to chase her i mean i charmed her you know i did all the usual but she was like yeah you know playing hard to get that typical thing and so i got on a plane i bear in mind i'm an english boy who's never been to america and here i am getting on a plane to go fly to go see her because we met in israel uh, which is interesting because now we live here we have four kids now we've been married for 10 years so but back then we kind of bumped into each other in israel and i flew to la I had no idea where I was going to stay or what I was going to do. 
And I literally just like called up a couple of my friends. Hey, do you know anybody in California? And they're like, California is pretty big. Like where in California? I'm like, uh, I think she lives in Los Angeles, you know? Oh yeah. I know a few friends. So I ended up crashing by random people's houses. I'm like, Hey, can I stay with you for a couple of weeks? Like I'm just here visiting a friend. And they're like, um, okay. Until like they kind of kicked me out. So I was there for about two months dating Lauren and I actually played a little trick on her. It's called reverse psychology. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, tell us more. Tell us more. Oh, boy, this is so funny. So I'm a sales guy, like, through and through. Like, that's my secret power. Like, that's that's my superpower, right? I suck at so many things. Like, I'm so unorganized. I forget things all the time. Just ask my wife. But I'm I'm really good at sales without even necessarily knowing I was doing it. At one point, I really wanted to get engaged. And we had this weird conversation where I basically said to her, why are you not ready? And she said to me, I don't even know what it is. I think you're amazing. I, I really like you. I really like I, I, I don't know. I like I love being with you and I love like just hanging with you. And I think you're amazing. And I think you'd be an amazing husband and amazing father and everything. But I just don't know what it is and so I'm like trying to dig a bit deeper I'm like okay well I mean can you try and think maybe like what what could it be and then she's like okay this is gonna sound really weird but I'm gonna say you're too nice and I said what what the heck do you mean? What do you mean I'm too nice? Like, I thought that's a good thing. She's like it is but like I don't know I just kind of feel like you're just too nice so I'm like, what do you want me to do? Punch you in the face? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where are we going with this? Um... So I didn't know what I didn't know quite what to do. This was like me being a guy ha- having absolutely no idea what she wanted. And so over the weekend, she spent time with her friends, and I spent time alone, and I had time to think. And so this is what I did. Here we go. So she calls me up Saturday night. I didn't call her. I waited for her to call me. She calls me up. She's like, hey, Daniel, how, you, how, how are you doing? I'm like, yeah, I'm good. You know, she's like, how was your weekend? I was like, yeah, it was good. How was yours? She's like, yeah, I had a really good time with my friends, you know. And then I'm like, listen, Lauren, I, I don't know how to say this. Um, I kind of feel like there's no point like dating anymore. And like, as I'm saying this, my heart's like beating like a thousand miles an hour. And she goes, what? What, what do you mean? Like, what are you saying? And I said, I don't know. I just, I just feel like, I don't know if it's going to go anywhere. Like, you know, I, every time I, I go out with you, I fall more in love with you. And I just feel like I'm, I'm going to end up broken. And, and I, I just feel like it's maybe best that we just part ways and we just move on. Like, I'll just go back to London. And uh, I think that's best. Like my heart's like racing away as I'm, I'm saying say, this. I was going to say, my heart is in my stomach right now. I feel sick you just saying this, Daniel. <laughs> I'm sad. It's, 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 what she calls my bluff, you know? And then she goes, no, 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 no. Let's just, okay, let's just go out one more time. Okay. Let's just do one more date and then let's just see what happens. Okay. And after that, you can decide, like, but just let's just go out one more time. And I said, okay, fine, but I want to play a game. And she's like, what? I said, I want to go to the beach and I want to play a game. It's called Spin the Bottle. And she goes, um, Daniel, I, what, what do you mean you want to play Spin the Bottle? What, what? I was like, okay, here's the thing. Here's the rules. You ready? These are the rules. I made up this game. It's called Spin the Bottle, but you don't kiss. She's like, what? I said, when the bottle points at you, basically what you have to do is you have to ask a question. And, oh, so this is, this is basically what we did was you write down 10 questions each, like, but they have to be really deep, deep questions, like life-changing questions about the purpose of life, everything that you want in your life, like just really deep questions. And I want both of us to write down 10 of those really hard questions. And then we're going to put it in a hat and we're going to spin the bottle. And whoever the bottle points to has to answer the question. And it could be anyone's question. So that's what we did. We went to the beach, did a little picnic, got the hat out. We started writing. We were like really like thinking hard about what questions we wanted to ask. And we put it in the hat. We played spin the bottle. And by the end of the game, my wife, my, <laughs> I said, my wife, how funny. That's a Freudian slip. Lauren looks me in the eye and she smiles and she goes, I'm ready. Oh, I've just got tingles all over. Where <laughs> on earth did you come up with that idea, Daniel? Oh freaking clue but like you know what it's just you got to be creative in life that that's part of 
like, hey, that's step number two. Like we talked about persistence, right? You've got to be really persistent and really just go for it and just don't take no for an answer, right? That's that's number one. Mm-hmm. If that's number one, number two is you've got to be really creative. You've got to stand out because everybody wants it, right? Everybody wants to be the, the best at whatever it is, that you, whatever you guys listening, whatever you want to be. There's so many people that want that want to be that. But here's the thing is that if you're creative enough that you can just be your own, then you have no competition. You have nobody who can compete with you because you're you, you're unique, you're different. There's something special. And so being creative is, I think, the second second most important thing is to be unique. And if we're talking about listing out life lessons here, I'm thinking number three has to be courage because you called her bluff. And you went over to Los Angeles when you'd never been there, both episodes Mm -hmm. of huge courage. Do you think Mm -hmm. that courage is another kind of cornerstone to living a successful life? Yeah, 100%. In fact, I'm writing a book. I told you this uh, before we went on the show. Uh, So I'm actually writing a book. This book has been, I've been pregnant with this book for about 10 years now. And it's painful. I mean, you you know, for the ladies. That's a long pregnancy, Daniel. That's a long pregnancy. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I will never claim to even imagine what it's like to be pregnant or go through all that pain. But what I, cause my wife went through four of them and uh, just looking at her, I, I was dying. And so, um, <laughs> have you got to you the know, swollen ankle point with the book writing yet? The swollen ankle point has been about five years now. <laughs> <laughs> you know so what I mean? Bl- you're finally a blimp. <laughs> I'm at the point where I think I'm I'm like six centimeters dilated. Right? So, <laughs> so the book's coming out in about 90 days. I've like set a deadline for myself. I'm finally writing the damn thing. But it's been sitting in me for 10 years and it's called The Self-Help Addict. I came up with this title 10 years ago. I'm so surprised that and thankful that so far nobody has actually taken that title for a book. And by the way, those of you listening to this, if you even dare to publish a book within the next 90 days and call it The Self-Help Addict, I will sue you. (laughs) Yep. I haven't. Absolutely. The date that this goes out into the world, you definitely claim claim ownership of that. I will claim ownership. So Self-Help Addict is essentially a book about me in a way, right? Because I, growing up, I was addicted to self-help. And for those of you listening, if you can relate to this, it's it's crazy because what happens is that we get into this cycle. So one example would be, you know, you go into Barnes and Nobles, right? And you're like milling around and you're getting lost in the aisles, like finding the right book. And you, you know what I mean? When I, when I say the right book, it's got to it's got to jump out at you. I was going to say it almost has to fall off the shelf into your lap, right? You're like, it has to be that one. I know what it's like to go looking you know for the right book. And you end up with a stack, right? You end up with about 10 and you're looking through and you're like flicking through and you're like, mm, mm, oh, mm, that one. Mm. And the testimonials. And then you're looking at the, the front cover, the back cover. You're looking at the inside, the contents. Oh, that looks good. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll read one chapter. And in the end, you finally like you find it and you're like, yeah, this is it. This is the one, the one. You go, you pay for it. And there's this little sound or voice in your head that, that kind of says to you, I have a feeling that this is the book that's going to change my life. Like this is the one that I'm going to read this book and and that's it. It's all going to be good now. And of course you read the book and you take out your highlighter and you're highlighting away every line, right? Oh my God, that's so amazing. That's life changing. Oh my God, that's so amazing. That's going to change my life. And you go and you go and you... (laughs) I've I've been there. I I would probably call myself a self-help addict too. I have been there, Daniel. You got to buy the book. And so you get to the end of the book and correct me if I'm wrong, but this is how you feel, right? You go, oh shit. (laughs) <laughs> right? Because <laughs> it's like... Have I changed uh, enough? Well, that and what now? That's what Ooh. I used to think is, now what? Because I, I've read the whole book. It's like, while you're reading the book, you've got an excuse not to do anything because I'm reading the book. Like, I'm in training, right? I'm in training. I'm I'm learning. I'm in learning mode. So nobody can expect me to do anything. I'm I'm still gaining the knowledge. But then when you get to the end of the book... You've got no more excuses. You've run out of rope. Now you're like, uh-oh, I've got to take action. Crap, I'm scared. By the way, that's the third thing that we talked about was courage, right? Mm. You start to feel like, oh, no, what am I, I can't do this, right? And so what do you do? This is what we do. A, a self-help addict will do this. Hold on a second. Let me go to their website. 
go to their website. Oh, look at all this information. I need this information. Oh, look, they've got a webinar coming up. I've got to go onto the webinar. If I go to the webinar, then they're going to tell me and explain to me exactly what I need to do. And you go to the webinar and then it's like, and they tell you at the end of the webinar that they've got this big event, right? In Vegas. And if you come to the event, da, 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 your life will change. And you're like, oh my God, that's exactly what I need. But you don't have the money. Oh, but I've got to, I'll borrow the money. I'll steal the money. I'll find it because if I go to this event, then I'm going to change, right? To cut a long story short, it's a cycle and it's never ending and you end up with another book and you end up following another author and you find, and it's the same thing with diets and it's the same thing with business ideas and it's the same thing with everything. And so my book talks about how you break that cycle. I was about to say, how on earth do we get out of it? Can you give us a tidbit, some little hints? Well, I really want people to actually buy the book because that would be amazing. fair enough. I totally understand. (laughs) But uh, I will say that what it comes down to essentially is it really comes down to taking action. Now, obviously, I break it down in the book more and we go into different areas and, and a lot of different life lessons that I've learned along the way. But essentially, it really comes down to this. If you look at somebody that you look up to, so for those of you listening, like I want you to imagine somebody who you idolize. Everybody idolizes someone, you know, whether it's Oprah Winfrey or Tony Robbins or whoever it is, okay? Just picture them in your mind. And I want you to ask yourself this question. What makes them different to you? Honestly, really, ask yourself that question. What makes them different to you? So for me, if I'm standing in a crowd and Tony Robbins is on stage and I've just bought an expensive ticket, I've flown to go hear him and he's on stage and he's riling everybody up and it's amazing. I ask myself that question, like, why is Tony Robbins on stage and I'm in the audience? And do you know what the answer to that question is, Kate? What is it? It's that Tony is on stage and I'm in the audience. And that's it. <laughs> there is no that. other difference. Nope. Nope. Oh. He, he, he got up on the stage. Mm. He, he, he went through the motions. And, you know, we could talk about momentum a little bit. But, and I mentioned this in the book at length. But momentum is key. Because once you start, here's the thing. You listeners, you know this, right? You don't want to go to the gym. You're like, oh, crap. F the gym. I can't, like. Uh, I don't want to go to the gym. No, not doing it right. But every single time, without fail, every single time, once you end up dragging your ass over there and you start to move, you just get into motion, something happens and you get into like a rhythm, you get into a momentum, the music starts playing, you start to like go, you start sweating, it feels good. And then you leave and you always feel good. But it's always a struggle to get there. But the key is recognizing that once you take action, then something magical happens called momentum. And once you get momentum, you're unstoppable because you just keep going. I'm fascinated because I talk a lot about momentum with my coaching clients and how important it is and that momentum builds. So we're definitely on the same page on that, Daniel. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's people ask me, you know, you've got a podcast show, like it, it's, you've done like 96 episodes and you're like a hundred thousand downloads and, you know, rated the top 26 podcasts on iTunes. Wow. Blah, blah, blah. And I honestly, like, I don't look at it like that. I, I just see the fact that I consistently, and by the way, that's, I think key number four is consistency, but like, I just literally put my foot forward and put my mouth in front of a microphone and just started talking and one episode turned into two and three and four and five and then 96, like, you know, and, and one download, which was probably my wife, <laughs> you, know, you know, one download turned into a hundred thousand. But it's the same thing. And this is going to sound so cliche, but it's so true is when you get to the top of the mountain, you look down and you're always surprised. You're yeah. always like, how the hell did I climb that? But it was always just one step. That's how you climbed it. One step. And that's it. You just keep going. One foot you know, in front of the other. I hear you. That's- Daniel, I want to jump back a little bit in your story because you weren't always the successful man you are today. There was a time, I assume you would call it your rock bottom, when you lost your job, you're married to Lauren, and you guys have your first child. Can mm-hmm. you go back to that? And was that your rock bottom? 
Ah, you've said two things that sent alarm bells off in my head. (laughs) (laughs) One is you said that I wasn't always successful. So before I was successful, I was this. And I kind of, I want to throw, just, just throw it out there because part of my character and who I am, my personality is I always like to, uh, uh, you know, fight the status quo, argue on the status quo. I never accept things just as is. Like when I was in school, I would jump on tables and just drive the teachers crazy because I just couldn't just accept that I had to sit down and listen to whatever was being taught. And so and when you say like, you know, before you were successful, I believe people are successful no matter what, like you're successful. And that's actually a chapter on my book is that you, I think the chapter is called You Have Already Won. Oh, that is brilliant, Daniel. And I appreciate you calling me on that. I never have any problem (laughs) with being questioned or called out. I appreciate that. always successful. I like that though, because it's a message that I believe we all need to hear, that there isn't a somewhere to get to, right? Correct. And I'll give you, you know what, let me, I'm going to go into something right now that's really raw. It's really raw because it just happened yesterday. Um, uh, my life was turned upside down yesterday. It was about 3 p.m. I was in my office, um, busy with work, and I get a phone call. And it's my wife. And she says she can't breathe. And I said, what? What do you mean? And she's like... I can't, I can't breathe. And she's, she's barely talking. And I'm like, what the, f- what do you mean? And she said, I, the ambulance is on its way. And she hangs up the phone and I am freaking out. I am like, I, I, I run out of my office. I stop everything. I jump into my car and I just race home. And there's thoughts in my head that are like, uh, am I about to lose the, the most precious person in my life? Is, is that, is that, is that really going to happen right now? I'm, like, just like the, the worst thoughts I can imagine were, were like, just, I couldn't stop thinking them. What, what, what's going to happen with the kids? What am I, 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 I don't want to be alone. Like I love her too much. Like I can't lose her. like this is what is going to happen. And I'm driving and I get home and the ambulance is already there. And my wife is being wheeled out and they've got a gas mask on her face. I'm just like, what the hell happened? And the neighbor comes up to me and she, she says, your wife um, basically inhaled <clears throat> chlorine that was left out in the sun. We have a, a swimming pool and the uh, we put chlorine in it and there was a chlorine in a in a tub that was left out in the in the heat and she went to put take chlorine out and when she opened the canister it basically blew up in her face. Oh my my! And she she really couldn't breathe. Um, and uh, they're like rushing her to hospital, and I'm I'm now having to be at home with the four kids. Uh, my oldest is nine, my youngest is just turning one. So you can imagine, like, uh, you know, I don't even know how to react because I can't panic because I've got to be calm for the kids, and so I've got to put them to bed. And in the meantime, my head is just racing. Like, what's happening to my wife? Like, I need to be with my wife, but I but I need to be with my kids, and so. It's the scariest thing, and, and none of you listening should ever should ever go through such a thing. Um, but I just felt like completely powerless. You know what I mean? Like just powerless. And and so finally, I I, I put the kids to bed, and I and I text my wife, and I'm like, "Is everything okay?" You know? And she's like, um, "Yeah, I'm I'm basically hooked up to a machine, and and they're taking X-rays of my lungs, and they're going to keep me here overnight." And and so I end up lying in my bed and just. This is going to sound whatever. I mean, I'm going to say it just because, you know, I like smelled her clothes. Oh. I smelled my wife's clothes and I, and I literally was, I, I don't know, like I, I felt like I was going to just break down because I felt I can't lose this. I can't lose her. And like I, I somehow fell asleep and the next morning I called her up and uh, put the kids to, to school and she picks up the phone and she's... She told me that basically um, they took her off the machine and thank God, thank God she's breathing again on her own. And it's not easy to breathe, but it's, it's okay. And her lungs are thankfully clear and they're just keeping her for a few more hours and then I'll be able to come and, and pick her up. And Kate, I remember getting in the car, going to pick up my wife. And as I'm driving, I'm thinking to myself, like, 
why do I worry about such stupid things like parking tickets and this person insulted me and the, you know my Wi-Fi is slow or just like the stupidest things like oh I don't have enough money for that or oh why can't I have this or bigger house or this or whatever it is and it's like why does it take almost losing a loved one to get to that point where you have that wake up call where you realize like in that moment, Kate, if you asked me like, oh, aren't you upset about this or about, I'd be like, no, I don't care. I just want my wife to come home. Like mm. really, that, that's all I care about. So yeah, I, why did we even get into this story? So, because <laughs> you were calling me out on what success really is yes. and how right. we don't need things necessarily right. to feel successful. We're all born successful. Is Lauren home? Yes, thank God. She oh, is. Thank God. Yeah, yeah, she is. And it's interesting that you say that as well. Like when we were kids, we were successful, right? So here's something that I love to talk about as well, is if you watch children, you can actually learn everything you need to know about success. So negotiation, right? If you want to learn negotiation skills, like just literally look at your, look at your child. My daughter, when it's bedtime, holy cow. Oh, just... <laughs> Just one more, just one more show, Daddy. Just one more show, Daddy. And it's like, oh yeah, one more show, right? You know, it's like, come on, you know. And it's like, you want to buy the, you know, you go into a toy store, right? And went into a toy store the other day. My, my, my boys are like, oh, we really want that toy. And I'm like, oh, you know, nah, no, you know, we're not buying anything today. Like, you know, no, but we want that toy. And I'm like, yeah, but that's a bit pricey. That one, that toy. Like, can we, can we let's buy this toy. No, no, but all the kids have this toy. Oh, oh, and and, and it's back and forth. So there's persistence. And then they go into, oh, daddy, you know, I'll give you a big hug. Like, I'll do anything you want. And it's like, oh, man, a guilt trip. Right? <laughs> you learn that, right? And then it's like, I'll play with my brother. I'll play. We'll play together. And you're just like, oh, okay, fine. Like, win-win situation here. We're like, thinking about what I want, right? They're so smart. They are real kids are super smart. Then you look at a baby, like my one-year-old. A couple of months ago, he was just crawling, and all of a sudden, he starts to lift himself up. Well, actually, hold on a second. He hasn't started walking yet. What am I talking about? But at some point, he'll start walking. Right, my other kids, so when they went through this stage, they start to stand up, and what do they do? They take one step, and then, poof, bam, right. out. They smash and themselves. Smash themselves. And you look at them, and you think to yourself, God, like, how do they do that? Now, let me ask you a question, Kate. If I told you, hey, Kate, why don't you... Um, do this, whatever, like this exercise or, and you do it. And then suddenly, bam, you get like smashed across the side of your head and you're like, ow, wow, that really hurt. Would you do it again? <laughs> right. As adults, oh. we just have a tendency to go, I'm not doing that again. But kids doing that again. do, they just get up and right. keep trying and keep going. Exactly. And they just, they, they don't, they feel the pain. They do it anyway. Here's the funny thing. And if you don't, if you're listening to this and you don't have children, just think about you as a kid. And here's what I love is I love to think about the fact that I had everything I ever need. I have everything I ever need because when I was a kid, I had everything. I had all the skills I'll, I'll ever need. I had the negotiation skills. I had the, we were talking about persistence earlier on. I was, every kid is persistent. Like, come on. Like who, who's listening to this? When you were a kid, when you wanted something, you didn't cry. You didn't scream for it when you were a baby and courage. You weren't courageous. You didn't, you didn't go and search in that room, which you had no idea what was there and it was dark. You didn't go in there. You didn't pick up that weird looking thing that probably could have killed you if your mom didn't take it away from you in time. We experimented. As kids, we were curious. We loved adventure. We weren't scared of anything. My, my question is, at what point in your life did you stop? Ugh. That's the question I have for you. At what point in your life did you stop being courageous? You don't need to be courageous. You just need to go back to being courageous. You were courageous. You just stopped something in your life or someone or so whatever it was stopped you and you need to claim it back. What was it that stopped you from being persistent and getting your way because you wanted something? Why? Why did you stop that? That's the question I would ask you. Such good questions. I'm just sitting here going, whoa. You know, if, if people don't get anything out of, else out of this entire discussion, if they just ask themselves those two questions, their lives would change. Mm -hmm. yeah. oh, I want to go back to that point you just made that you said, mm -hmm. 
I've always had everything I needed. So you're telling mm, yeah. me that in those moments where you didn't necessarily have money in the bank, you still always had everything you needed. Does that yeah. sound true to you? hundred percent. I just didn't know it. Right. So can you it's, talk it's, me through how you remembered it? So here's the thing. There's two options you have. You can either be passive or you can be proactive. And that's with everything in life, right? And that's also something that I talk about in the book is, is obviously self-help addicts tend to be very passive, right? We wait for things to happen. We wait for the right time. But successful people, super achievers, the person that you think of when you think of success, they just produce. They go out. They make things happen. They're proactive. They're not waiting. And so what was the question you asked me so, again? I completely lost track So how, how did you remember you, that you had everything that you needed, even in those moments where it felt like you had nothing? Okay, so here it is. Okay, so there's two options. Either something will happen to you, like it happened to me yesterday, where God forbid a catastrophe happens and you almost lose someone very close to you, or unfortunately you lose someone close to you and you go to the funeral. Like I guarantee you, anyone listening to this, if you've ever been to a funeral or if you've ever been to a hospital to visit someone, you're not thinking about the taxes that you have to pay at the end of the year. I guarantee it. You're not, you're not thinking about, oh, that person cut me off when I was driving on the way here. Like, you don't care. Like when you're driving back from a funeral and someone cuts you off, you don't care. No, you it's don't. It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. Who cares? Because why? Because you, you were just exposed to the grand scheme of life. Like when you look at the whole picture, when you look at the whole picture, suddenly things just look tiny. You know, the tiny things suddenly look tiny. But when we're not looking at the big picture and we're stuck in the nitty gritty of things, then the nitty gritty, like the tiny little things look big. They look massive. It's like, oh God, how can it, you know, this stupid internet, like, oh, oh, got a freaking parking, that person, oh, they said this to me. Oh, I'm so angry. Oh, did you know? All right, that's it. I'm calling all my friends and I'm going to tell every single one of them what happened because I need to get this off my chest because this person... But then when you look at the big picture, and like I said, going back to your question, there's two ways that you can look at the big picture. One is you can wait for the inevitable, which is inevitably stuff happens in life where you get shaken up. And that's when you have those moments of clarity and you realize, holy crap. Or you can be proactive and you can actively on a daily basis wake up and literally if you have to write it down like i'm i'm a big believer in doing what you feel is right i don't believe in saying you should write down a gratitude list every morning maybe maybe you should maybe you shouldn't should you jump into a cold shower in the morning because tony robbins does it or whoever it else you know like inspires you does that like no if you don't like cold showers like don't take cold showers like if 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 you don't like to do something don't i know people who say oh you know i wake up at 4 30 in the morning and i do meditation and then i go and do this and i'm like good for you i'm sleeping <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I, I like my sleep so whatever it is whenever it is in your day have that time in your day and whether you write it down or think about it just focus on the top things in the, the priorities in your life i guarantee you that if on a daily basis you focus on the important things the things that really that they're the world to you that you that they're worth living for and dying for if you focus on those things then all the other stuff won't it won't matter anymore it just won't any dream that you have whether it's getting on stage and speaking on stage those fears that you have usually those fears are just they're silly there they are they're just silly little things like oh what what happens if this oh who cares so it happens so what what's going to happen you're going to die no okay but but look at the focus on the big picture. What if I do get on stage? And what if I freaking rock kick it. ass? Yeah. <laughs> rock, like what that then it's like, wow. Then I can inspire people. Then I can change people's lives. Then I can feel awesome. All of those excuses that you have and those fears, they pale into into like nothing when you focus on the big picture. Like, what's the goal? We're only here for a certain period of time. And then that's it. And so my question to you, here's another question. When you die, like, what do you want to leave behind? What do you want to be remembered by? What legacy do you want to leave? 
You want to be the person who just read lots of books and took in lots of information and tried lots of things and followed lots of people? Or do you want to be the person that changed other people's lives? Do you want to be the person that actually was someone that your children and grandchildren can look up to? Hey, my grandma, she wrote a book. Do you know what I would do to get my grandfather's book? Oh my God. My grandfather, he died two years ago. Yeah, He never wrote a book. Mm. I wish he had a book. I wish I could read my grandfather's book. Oh man, I, do you know how much money I would pay if someone could just go up there and get him to write the bloody book and then give it to me? Deliver it to Deliver it to me, right? Well, so we forget Amazon, like, you know, Amazon after death. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I would love that. So don't be selfish. And I'm going to, I'm like, this is me getting like in your face. Don't be selfish. It's selfish. When you decide not to write a book or you decide not to do something because you're scared, you're being selfish. Oh, that hits home. That hits home. I hear you on that one. You're you're, you're holding it back from everybody else. You could be inspiring so many people. Your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, years to come after you pass, they can have something that you created, that you produced in your lifetime. And if you don't produce it, you're selfish. You're holding it back from them. Don't do that. Do it for them. That's good. That That's good, Daniel. You, you're getting me. Oh, I'm fascinated now. This word success, does it mean anything to you? And if it does, what does it mean? What is a successful life? Okay. So if you were to ask me who's the person I look up to, who, who do I consider to be the most successful person that I think in my life? I would say my grandfather. I've interviewed 96 97 actually, 97 today, I interviewed a 97th entrepreneur, right, successful. I've had millionaires, billionaires, leaders, thoughtly, like, you know, all the big girls and guys, yeah, on my show. And of all of the people I've interviewed, nobody comes close to my grandfather. And you know why? Because my grandfather, when he was 14 years old, he was in a Holocaust and he was in Auschwitz. And he watched both of his parents get shot in the head. Oh, my, my. And he watched all of his siblings completely slaughtered. And when they were firing bullets, one of the bullets hit him in the shoulder. And he went down. And he stayed down. Because he knew that if he got up again, the next bullet would hit him in the head. And so he stayed down until it got dark, pretending to be dead amongst all the bodies. And then when he thought it was safe, he climbed out and he ran into the woods and they got him and they tried to hang him. They hung him twice, but both times, both times the sirens went off and he managed to escape. They, they were false alarms. They thought the Russians were coming the first time and the second time they thought the Americans were coming and my grandfather managed to escape again. And on another occasion, he was about 15 feet from the gas chambers. He was standing in line and a Nazi soldier was standing next to him and there was a horse and the horse made on the Nazi soldier's boot. And this Nazi turned around to my grandfather who was standing next to him and he said, you dirty Jew, come out here and clean my boot. So my grandfather got on his hands and knees and cleaned up the boot. And this Nazi then said to him, get out of here. So my grandfather didn't go into the gas chambers. And you know what? When he was liberated and he was one of the few survivors and he was the only survivor in his whole family and he had lost everything. And when I say everything, I mean everything that he basically had to start from complete scratch. He had no material, nothing, no body, no material, nothing not a penny. And he built himself and built himself and built himself and he built himself a family. He built himself a business. He's he, if you want to know what success to me, that's success because he had every reason, every reason to give up. He had every single reason to take his own life at every single point. At any point, nobody would have blamed him or thought anything of it if he would have taken his own life. But you know what? He didn't. Do you know why he didn't? Why? Because he wasn't selfish, because he believed that there was something in him that he needed to keep going. He needed to produce. He needed to keep moving forward. And because of him, I'm alive today. Wow. I am, I am 
tears in my eyes, just wow, what an inspiration. It's just success of the human spirit. It's what I'm hearing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. I can understand why he is someone's book who you would like to read. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm hoping to do justice by writing my book and yeah. Wow. I hope it does. <laughs> Oh, I feel like the rest of the interview now is just going to pale in comparison to that spot of inspiration because I do, I just hear that you believe that success is held in our human spirit and your grandfather's story is such a demonstration of that. Thank you. All right. I do ask everyone, Daniel, a bunch of questions to help to get to know them better on a lighter level, but I feel like I already know you at a deeper level, so this feels a little backwards. Okay. But you we're don't gonna have go to there. <laughs> That's true. I don't. But I am kind of interested because you did say that you sleep in. So are you a morning person or a night person? Definitely a night person. Do you do your best work at night? You know, it's funny. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. Like sometimes by the end of the day, I kind of just want to crash and zone out. Just chill. But sometimes when I'm on, I'm on. And I'm a big believer that you've got to, like I said before, you really have to be in tune with who you are. That's why I'm an entrepreneur, because I can't work for someone else. I can't be told, you need to be here at nine o'clock and you need to leave at five o'clock and you need to take your lunch break at one o'clock. Like, well, what if I get hungry at 11? Or what if I'm not hungry at one and I'm only going to get hungry at like three? Like, I don't want to take a lunch break at when I'm not hungry. Like, what if I want to take a vacation with my wife and kids like in June? Maybe I don't want to take it in August when everybody else takes it and it's really expensive and, you know, everything's full. And so I'm not a big believer in this is when I have to do X. If I feel in the moment that I want to do X, I'll do it. And you know what? Usually when I'm in that moment and I feel like I'm on, like I'm in that productive mode, then I get so much more done. And I can honestly, I'm not saying this to boast, Kate, but I can honestly get more done in a three-hour like super productive three hour block, then a lot of people can get done in, in a month. Like no exaggeration. So when the productivity hits you, you've just got to roll with it and then you, you can pump yeah, it out. Take it, take advantage of it. And you know what? When you feel low and we all get there, we all feel low. We always go, we go through those cycles. And when you feel low, don't push yourself. Like don't, don't make yourself feel bad. Like don't feel like you have to go and do something. Just be with it. Like just go through it. Allow it. Rejuvenate, re-energize and trust yourself. Trust that when you get through it, you're going to get back on your wagon. You're going to get back on the horse and you're going to charge forward. And then you're going to hit that low point again. And it's a cycle and it's fine. That leads perfectly into my next question in this series, which is, do you have like a favorite self-care activity, something that you do when you need to rejuvenate or restore your energy? Mm, I love the beach. I love, love the waves. I could just stare at waves and just, you know, thankfully we live like 45 minute drive from, from a beach. And so if I ever have that day where I just need to kind of like completely let go and you know, Kate, you know how I was saying to look at the big picture of life. Mm -hmm. I feel like when I'm staring at the ocean, I see the whole picture. Like I see, you just see how big the world is. You see how big it is. And, and at the same time you, you watch the waves and you see how consistent they are. They just kind of, they just go and they're flowing and you see the power that they have. But yet at the same time, there's a calmness. Do you know what I mean by that? Like there's a power, those, those waves, man, they're powerful. I've been, if you've ever been surfing or swimming in the ocean and you get hit by a wave, man, that, that thing takes you right. And you feel that power of the wave. It's awesome. It's like, wow. But at the same time, if you watch the waves, it's so calm. It's like calm. And I, and what I take from that is that sometimes your most powerful moments usually are when you're in a calm state, when you're calm, you're cool, you're, you're with, you're just in that moment, you're in that zone. That's when you're so, that's when you're at the most powerful point. Usually. That makes total sense to me. 
Can you remember a time where you feel like you took the long route in life? And if you did, what were the lessons you learned on the way? Usually whenever I've taken a long route, it's usually me getting distracted. (laughs) That's basically, that's pretty much it. It's usually a shiny object somewhere that I look at that somebody else has or someone else does. And you're like, wow, that looks really cool. I should do that. Right. And then you go and you try it. And of course, you know, whatever, it doesn't work out. And then you try something else and you always come back usually to your core and you go, why did I move from that? Like I was doing really well with that, right? Whatever that is, you you guys listening, you know what I mean, right? When you're doing something and you're doing really well, stick to it. That's your thing. Like stick to your thing. You're good at it. Do it. And all the other things, like don't worry about it. Like, you know, your friend or your neighbor or your aunt your, or whoever is doing X and they're successful at whatever it is. Okay. Doesn't mean you're going to be successful at that. And it also doesn't mean that they'll be successful at what you're doing. But if you're successful at what you're doing, then keep doing it. Don't get distracted. Don't let all those shiny objects kind of like grab your attention and go, ooh, look at me, come. This is so exciting, you know? And so that's usually, usually, and I'm a big, I'm a big sucker for that. I'm learning. I'm still tempted to go after those shiny things, but I'm, I've worked on myself a lot. So I've learned to look at it and go, not now. Now now I'm doing this. So um, another one of my guests I interviewed recently called Lucy Sheridan, she said the exact same thing. And she has a little mantra for herself. And she says, stay in your lane, Lucy, stay in your lane. So maybe stay you could try your... that, Daniel. Stay in your lane, Daniel. I... Stay in your lane. I like that. Stay in your lane. <laughs> do you have, being a self-help junkie, do you have a favorite book? Or is that just way too big a question to ever go near? Nope. Um, I'll tell you my favorite book. And I'll actually tell all the audience that I know what your best book is. Ooh, isn't that cool? How can I do that? Right? You're thinking, how can he know what my favorite book is? There's no way he can know that. Well, I've got special powers. So I'm going to tell you what your favorite book is. You ready for this, Kate? I'm ready. I'm ready. Mm -hmm. Your favorite book is the one that you write. I knew you were going to go there and I love it. (laughs) So, so the answer to that question is my favorite book is my book. It's the book that I'm writing and it's the book that I'm going to produce. And that's my favorite book. Oh, I love that. That is so good. (laughs) What is one thing in your day, Daniel, that you can't do without? My family. uh, For sure. Like, you need, I need to be able to like see my family at the end of the day. Like I come home from work and everything else. Like I could have had the crappiest day at work, but if just knowing in my mind that I'm going to go home, I'm going to see my kids. And even if I get home, like sometimes I'll get home past bedtime, like, and I'll, but just being able to watch them sleep, just, just look at them, um, and come home to my wife like that for me, I can't go without. So good. All right, the final question for you. All right, here we go. Here we go. (laughs) First of all, do you believe in a soul? And if so, how would you describe it? So the answer is yes. There's two answers to this question. One, you're going to hate me for. You're going to think it sucks. (laughs) Um, And here it is. If you had a blind man on your show... And the blind man asked you, Kate, can you describe me the color red? What would you say to him or her? Oh my gosh. Where, where, where do you even start? Come on. You could, oh, like, you can, you can use any words you want. Use any words in the vocabulary, All right. dictionary, every, I, every. I would Try. say it's rich and it's warm and it's bright. And gosh, I would be Doesn't stunned. He doesn't really know what warm is from that perspective. In other words, the reason why you're struggling, Kate, is because he you cannot describe the color red to a blind man because he has nothing to compare it to. His his other senses that he or she has doesn't comp- there's no comparison. You can't compare it. There's no there's nothing like you said it, right? You said where do I start? You can't start. There is no start. And because there's no start, there's no description. And so when you ask me, what is a soul? 
can't describe it to you. Do you know, this is why I love having good conversations with intelligent Jewish people, because they leave you with more questions than answers. That's <laughs> <laughs> what we're good at. We like to ask the questions and answer the questions. Oh, but you're so right. I mean, we've got no way to even comprehend it. No, but you can experience it. That I will say. And that that that's the closest you're ever going to get is that you personally can experience it. You can never describe it, can never describe it because it's just, you just can't. It's like trying to describe love to someone who's never been in love or never felt love. Like you can't describe that. You experience that. It's an experience beyond. For those of you listening, if you have a child how can you explain the love of a child, of a, of a mother or a father, to a child, to somebody who's never had children? You can't. It's just not possible. Mm. You have to experience it. It's experiential. And same thing with a soul. Oh, have to so good. All <laughs> right. If being a father and all of these sort of life lessons and the tenacity of the human spirit that we've spoken about today. How do you try and impart that to your children? And as listeners, how can we do that with our own kids? You have to be an example. You can't, you know, telling kids one thing and doing something else is just, you're just a, you're just a contradiction. That's the one thing. Kids are so smart. They, they capture everything. They know everything. And so when you say one thing, but you act a different way, they, they know it. Everything you say goes out the window. It means nothing. It's meaningless. It's meaningless because if your actions go against your words, they, they're meaningless. So if you tell your son or your daughter, you know, be bold, be courageous, be, you could be anything, but then you're, scared and you're not doing your dream you're not following your dreams like what that you know what the message you're giving them is it's that you don't really believe it because if you did you'd do it yourself gotta leave hey fellow brain pickers i hope you enjoyed that episode as much as i did two things two things you could do for me these would be huge humongous gigantic ginormous favors number one is if you can go to theselfhelpaddict.com. That's theselfhelpaddict.com. And just put in your email so that once I launch my new book, which is coming out really soon, and if you're listening to this episode in the future, then the book is probably already available and you can get that there. So again, go to theselfhelpaddict.com. And the second thing is, this is episode 100 um, I've just hit 100,000 downloads, which is huge, but I want to get to a million. Like, that's my goal. I want to get to a million downloads, and the only way I'm going to get there is with your help. And if you could just hit the subscribe button on iTunes, so if you're listening to this right now on iTunes, all you have to do is just hit subscribe, and you will be getting me one step closer to a million downloads. Thank you so much. And until next time, I'm looking forward to the day when I'll be picking your brain. You've been listening to the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast. Inspiration without perspiration is like a tiger without teeth. So to put these ideas into action, head over to danielgeffen.com.